tell legal lies. I tell legal lies. 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 Legal lies. I tell legal lies. And legal lies. And legal lies. And ban on drugs. Ban on drugs. And legal lies. Welcome back to another episode of Black Law and Legalize, where we specialize in all kinds of bullshit. I am one of your hosts, Dan. You can follow me on Twitter at I am Dan on Drugs. You can follow the show at Black Law Podcast on all platforms. You can also email us, blacklawpodcast at gmail.com. I am joined today with Afro Beck and Justin. Hi. Where can they follow you? At I Tell Legal Lies on Twitter. Or I'll give y'all her personal name, address, and all that good stuff. They can come home with me. Uh-huh. Say that now. <clears throat> this week, we are going to be discussing what has been coined the new Jim Crow. By who? You? No, actually by a lot of people of color, a lot of scholars, a lot of people in academia, a lot of people at the ACLU, Mm. numerous, numerous civil rights activists. Okay. So the new Jim Crow. All right. I often hear the phrase the new Jim Crow. And honestly, I think the new Jim Crow is the same old, old Jim Crow. And I get that Jim Crow is used to refer to repressive laws that specifically target black people or people of color. But the origination is much more egregious than I originally had thought. Now, no lie. Don't laugh at me, y'all. I actually thought that Jim Crow was an actual person who constructed or had some kind of hand in constructing the Jim Crow laws. But I recently learned that I was wrong. And that shit shocked me because I'm like, I'm my whole life. I'm like, you know, Jim Crow laws. Yes, I know what Jim Crow laws mean. I know what the term means. But I thought that was a person who came up with these laws. (laughs) So I'm going to laugh at you because come on, dude. I don't care. I mean, I admit when I don't know something, I didn't know something. I learned something new. That's good. I understand. So um, I'm going to read this too um, from the History Channel and mixed in with Wikipedia a little bit. In the 1830s, a white actor, Thomas Dartmouth Daddy Rice, was propelled to stardom for performing minstrel routines as the fictional character Jim Crow, a character a caricature of a clumsy, dim-witted black slave. Rice claimed to have first created the character after witnessing an elder black man singing a tune called Jump Jim Crow in Louisville, Kentucky. He later appropriated the Jim Crow persona into a minstrel act where he donned blackface and performed jokes and songs in a stereotypical slave dialect. For example, Jump Jim Crow included the popular refrain, Wheel about and, I can't even read this, Wheel about, wheel about and turn about and do just so every time I wheel about, I jump Jim Crow. That, that just sounds fucked up. So Rice's minstrel act uh, proved to be a massive hit among white audiences He later took it on tour around the U.S. and Great Britain, and the show's popularity spread. Jim Crow became a widely used derogatory term for blacks. In other words, that was another way to say nigga. So um, Jim Crow's popularity as a fictional character eventually died out, 
But in the late 19th century, the phrase found new life as a blanket term for a wave of anti-black laws laid down after Reconstruction. Some of the most common laws included restrictions on voting rights. Many Southern states required literacy tests or limited suffrage to those who whose grandfathers had also had the right to vote. Bans on interracial relationships, which we just talked about last week, and clauses that allowed businesses to separate their black and white clientele. The segregationist philosophy of separate but equal was later upheld in the famous 1896 Supreme Court decision Plessy versus Ferguson, mm-hmm. in which the court ruled that the state of Louisiana had the right to require different railroad cars for blacks and whites. The Plessy decision would eventually lead to a widespread adoption of segregation, segregated restaurants, public bathrooms, water fountains, and other facilities. Separate but equal was eventually overturned in the 1954 Supreme Court case Brown versus the Board of Education, but Jim Crow's legacy would continue to endure in some southern states into the 1970s. So that's something I learned. And, you know, I'm not proud to say I didn't know that Jim Crow wasn't an actual person, but I am proud enough to say that I learned something new. And now I can share that with other people who may not have known that as well, because I can't be the only one. Becky, did you did you know Jim Crow wasn't an actual person? Nope. I didn't know either. So you just learned something. new. I did. You dropped some knowledge on me, Dan. So, uh, and I take it you knew that Jim Crow was not a real person. I did. Man, all this time. Why you ain't tell us, man? Why you ain't tell us? <laughs> you kept that knowledge to yourself. Man, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. So uh, anyway, yes. um, how that ties into today's episode is the new Jim Crow. Um, so hit me. So now I need to learn something new. Mm-hmm. Hit me to this terminology because I think I vaguely heard that phraseology before tell me what people think the new jim crow is okay so the new jim crow is let me let me uh pull this up here okay so the 13th amendment rendered slavery illegal with the exception of prisoners right so after slavery many laws were passed in order to target Black populations in America, such as the Jim Crow laws, which were one of many tools used to marginalize black people. And it led to what is being called the new Jim Crow mass incarceration. Mm. For example, a grant was filed in 1995 that offered a monetary reward to prisons that increased their prison population. So we have the mandatory minimums, um, mass incarceration, the war on drugs. All of this is being considered the new Jim Crow because the war on drugs, as we're going to get into, was not a war on drugs. It was a war on black and brown people. Mm -hmm. So now here's a very interesting statistic. I I didn't want to jump ahead, but I'm going to. In 2018, 2018, there are more black men denied the right to vote than in 1870 when the 15th Amendment was ratified, prohibiting laws that explicitly deny the right to vote on the basis of race. Right. But that's because they've been incarcerated. Yes. Mm -hmm. So they stripped their voting rights Mm -hmm. away after locking them up. Mm -hmm. So 
yeah, we don't need to have literacy tests at the polls. We don't need to have all kinds of other stuff. We lock lock them up and they cannot vote anymore. Mm -hmm. So new Jim Crow. Make sense? Makes sense. Got it. Mandatory minimums. Do you care to, can you explain exactly what mandatory minimums are? Okay. Basically, there are laws that provide that for certain criminal offenses, you have to serve X amount of time. And that time that you serve is mandatory. So you can't not serve. So say the mandatory minimum is five years. You will serve five years. If it's 10 years, you will serve 10 years. So there's no like plea bargaining or not if negotiations or anything like that. If, if you do the crime, you do the You're time. doing that time. That's why they call it a mandatory minimum. Now, we actually talked a little bit about this in our um, <clears throat> superpower show. White power. When we were talking about privilege. Because for the longest time, and in that in that particular episode, we talked about the disparity between sentencing for black people or people of color versus white people or people who resemble others in the power structure. So having said that, we talked about mandatory minimums because, you know, judges have judicial discretion. Mm-hmm. And so then there were laws that were passed that basically tried to stop this racial disparity in sentencing. And then following those laws came these laws about mandatory minimums, which basically now, instead of judicial discretion, we have prosecutorial discretion. Because what we have now are prosecutors who will see a black defendant and instead of trying to give them or trying to let them off with the lesser charge, they will basically prosecute them for a crime that carries a high mandatory minimum. So we actually saw a lot of that. Like one of the ideas that I pitched to Ann was actually an idea of Becky's and Ann uh, turned it down about the poor woman who wrote the bad checks and she got offered a plea of 30 days in jail or to pay $1,100. Her attorney said, no, I think I can do better. But her attorney had a staple on top of how many times this woman had been arrested for writing bad checks. So she thought this was the woman's first offense. Oh. This was the woman's third offense. Uh-oh. And she was trying to get a bill collector off of her back. So. So was it a three-strike situation? Yes. Mm. And the attorney then went back to court to argue, well, to ask for your honor to grant her a little bit of leniency. Mm-hmm. Because she made a mistake. Your Honor said this ain't the place for that. So um, basically, the prosecutor tripled the plea. So instead of 30 days, it became 90 days or $1,100 bond. So the lady was put in a no-win situation. She had three children and couldn't. Um, it's like you can't pay the bill collectors. If you're locked up for 30 days, you lose your job. You're probably going to become homeless after right. that. And then your children are going to go into foster care if there's nobody to care for them. So it's and all just a vicious 
slide. Can't pay the bond because if you can't pay the afford, if you can't afford to pay the bill collectors, you, you can't. can't bond so out. yeah, that was right. an idea, and I thought that would have been a great topic. But Ann said, "Fuck that, Look, I'm not interested." I don't, I don't recall that. There's a text message. I don't believe so. It's earlier like today. I like to see it earlier today. I'll I like to you, see it. I'll show you after the show. Please so anyway, so. that may be a future topic. But some interesting stats here. All right, many of these stats reinforce the negative stereotype of black people being inherently more criminal than whites, right? Because we hear that all the time. In 2018, there are more black people under correctional control in prison, jail, probation, parole, etc. than were enslaved in 1850. In 2018, as I referenced earlier, there are more black men denied the right to vote than in 1870 when the 15th Amendment was ratified, prohibiting laws that explicitly denied the right to vote on the basis of race. In large urban areas, statistically, more than 50% of working-aged black men have criminal records. So those are just some damning stats. And then we move into the war on drugs. Studies have shown that People of color are no more likely to use or sell drugs any more than whites. And we did discuss that a bit in our white superpower uh, episode about white privilege. Right. I think but I think the statistic that we talked about actually showed that they were that Caucasian people were more likely. Exactly. And that's what the data shows. The data shows that white people are actually more likely to engage in the use of possession of abuse of and selling of drugs so more interesting stats drug convictions are responsible for 67 percent of the increase in the federal prison population and more than 50 percent of the state prison population between the years of 1985 and 2000 and that was the period of time that the prison system saw its largest increased ever Increase ever. Uh So there are more people in prison in 2018 for drug convictions than the entire prison population for all crimes in 1980. Uh In some states, 80 to 90 percent of drug convictions are black men. So anyway, those are my stats that I have, which... Uh, again, that they kind of fall in line with the new Jim Crow. Right. Um, and that's not to say that white people are not consuming drugs, selling drugs at a higher rate than black people are. That just that stat actually just shows what we talked about in a previous episode, that if they have better representation and not only that, they are more likely to be given lenient sentences like probation or time served or any other thing other than incarceration because why should their futures be stunted well here's a fun fact for you y'all ready for a fun fact becky Mm -hmm. yes lay it on me fun fact Mm -hmm. law enforcement receives more federal funding for more arrest which leads to Low-hanging fruit. Low-hanging fruit. Wow. So can you describe what low-hanging fruit is? Yeah. Okay, let's hear it. Fruit that's easy to pick. 
because you don't have to reach as far to get it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, or oh. in, or in the eyes of the cops, if it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's a paycheck. That's what they do. So one last thing, too, on drugs. Federal drug forfeiture laws allow law enforcement to keep up to 80 percent of suspected drug offenders property. Mm -hmm. This is cash, cars, homes, jewelry, whatever. Now, notice I said suspected drug offenders. Now, I got this from a TED Talks, Mm -hmm. not convicted drug offenders suspected so all i have to do is suspect that you sell drugs arrest you and i can be riding around town in your car i can be living in your house so you can take my shit actually that i earned they they taking me auction it because or because they freeze your accounts first of all but i'm not you ever heard of rico yes Yes, I've heard of it. There you go. So with the low-hanging fruit, the low-hanging fruit, of course, is us. Mm-hmm. Um, people in urban areas, people who don't have the best of, they don't have the financial resources to fight the system. Right. They don't have the financial resources to, like we mentioned about the lady we'll hopefully talk about, to make bail. So... You have New York with the whole stop and frisk, right? Right. Well, we, well, you know, those laws actually, lots of them, the majority of them actually have been found unconstitutional. So, but the problem with the whole stop and frisk, you know, all a part of racial profiling, the problem with this, I found out some very interesting facts. Things that, you know, I kind of knew, but then seeing them in black and white, it was like, "Mm mm-hmm. So, you know, inordinately, we, and I mean people of color, are actually stopped as far as driving. You know, that whole driving while black thing. DWB. You know, driving while a person of color. We are stopped, but more often than not, contraband is found when... Caucasian people are actually stopped. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we we are stopped and a lot of these stops are escalated into other things. But bottom line, when a black person versus a white person gets stopped, more often than not, that white person is actually found to have contraband in on their person or in their vehicles. But we're the people who get stopped because society has been taught that if you don't look like them or you don't look like the people that are in power, you're suspect. Look at those statistics. I mean, if you just look, if you don't look at the statistics through the lens of a concerned person of color, let's look at those statistics through uh, Susie's eyes, who lives in the suburbs, soccer mom, husband's like a banker or some shit, right? You see that all these black people are going to jail for drugs and all these black people are going to jail for for whatever. Your assumption is good. These police are getting these criminals off of the streets. My tax dollars at work. Right. Or my husband's tax dollars at work. What you don't stop to see is, man, there's not that many white people being harassed by the cops, arrested and thrown in jail. Criminals in general are painted as black Americans. Mm-hmm. So Susie 
again, she she has no sympathy or empathy because she, what she sees or what she thinks she sees is what crime, taught her. crime being taken off of the street. So then we suffer from that while we're walking in our neighborhoods, driving in our neighborhoods, because the police look at it the same way. And Harry Lee, prominent Jefferson Parish sheriff, he was quoted as saying, yes, I am going to stop people in black neighborhoods. I am going to pull cars over in black neighborhoods. Why? Because there's no crimes in the white neighborhoods. So we're not even going to the white neighborhoods. We're going to focus on the black neighborhoods. And by doing that, we will reduce crime. That's bullshit. Well, see, once again, I say again, that's because that's what society has taught us. And having said that, and going back to racial profiling and how people think when they see a person of color in the news, we all heard about the Airbnb situation. Uh, which one? I've heard about a lot of them. Well, the 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 one I'm talking about is the one where the people came out. They were leaving the Airbnb, and the neighbor waved at them, mm-hmm. and they didn't wave back. So the neighbor calls nine one one, saying that there were suspicious people, and when asked about why she called they didn't wave back at me now the person who called 911 happened to be a white woman the surprise pe- the people coming out of the airbnb were black double surprise so and these people were called suspects in spite of the fact that they had shown them a receipt they called the owner of the house and the owner of the house told them who he was or she was and who the guests were and they were still suspects Hmm. this and then i read recently about this guy in new york he was moving into his new york apartment just minding his own business carrying his things into his new apartment four nypd officers came somebody called 911 armed burglar they got there the man was just moving into his apartment and yes the person that called was caucasian the person moving into the apartment surprise black man well here's another one for you since we on airbnb because this is the first time that airbnb has actually fined an owner all right an airbnb host has been fined five thousand dollars for racial discrimination and will have to take a course in Asian American studies after canceling a woman's reservation because of her ethnicity. So um that was the Asian chick, huh? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's the first time a uh, Airbnb host has been penalized and uh California passed a law that allows officials to test Airbnb hosts for racial discrimination. So in February, uh, I can't say her name, but I know her last name is Sue, S-U-H, Sue. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. A 26-year-old law clerk, clerk had booked a mountain cabin in Big Bear for 250 bucks a night from Tammy Barker huh. for a skiing weekend with friends. Sue had asked if, uh, Barker if she could bring two of her friends and two dogs. Barker agreed on the condition that Sue pay an extra 50 bucks a night. But Barker reportedly texted Sue to cancel the reservations minutes before they arrived, writing, I wouldn't rent to you if you were the last person on earth. 
One word says it all. Asian. So Barker said, this is, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Barker said, this is why we have Trump. We can't have foreigners telling us what to do. She said that to me. I'm an American citizen, said Sue. This is my home. I've been here since I was three. So that's just, and there's also a um, YouTube video where Sue uh, pretty much tells her whole story. You can look her up, D-Y-N-E-S-U-H, and we'll post a link as well. I want to, um, let me expound a little bit upon what I was just saying about the guy, the black guy in New York, the black, the black guy in New York, Darren Martin was his name. So think about this situation. You're moving into your apartment. Somebody calls in and says that there's an armed burglar in their building. I said it was four. I read while Dan was talking about the Airbnb situation, there were actually six NOPD officers that showed up, guns blazing. NYPD. I hope it wasn't NOPD. I said NOPD. Oh, sorry. NY. So New York Police Department showed up, six of them, guns blazing, well, guns drawn, because they are under the assumption that they are going to confront an armed burglar. Do we know how this could have ended up? Um, yes. Brother man dead? Yes. So how did it end up? Brother man's allowed to talk about it. Yeah. Is he? Yes. Yes. He, thankfully, thank God, this man was able to prove to the police officers that he was who he was, that that was his apartment. He said, and then in an interview, he said he didn't know what the neighbor thought looked like a gun. He was like, what, my sofa, my TV, some boxes that I was bringing in? You know, that's crazy. But at at least he was able to convey to the police because one of our heroes, Dr. Henry Louis Gates, mm-hmm. he was arrested at his home, Type similar type of situation. Yeah, his ass went to jail. But um, so the police got their guns drawn mm-hmm. like. And again, we talked about that, too, in the white privilege uh, episode, how they weaponize the police. I mean, you got the barbecue in Oakland. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, wait. And what about those? Now that I'm thinking about it. What about those ladies on the golf course? Oh, yeah. The black women who were actually weren't they professional golfers, too? No, they were. No, they weren't professional. But I think they were. I think I don't know if they were professional or not, but I know that they regularly played golf. They had mm-hmm. a golf date. Mm-hmm. They were following the procedures of the golf course. Mm-hmm. Police called white man, calls mm-hmm. the police because they were playing too slow. So Too slow. Yeah. And they were playing at whatever the regular speed of the game mm-hmm. is. So back to your gun, right? Mm-hmm. Your, your gun apartment. Mm-hmm. These people in New York, especially the whole stop and frisk. I mean, that's where it's most prominent. Uh, mm-hmm. Detroit, I want to say Chicago and a few other cities have also adopted it. So once um, they they lost, uh, they said it was unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. So Mayor Bloomberg was appealing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's his name? Mayor de Blasio came in and he stopped the appeal. And stopped the stop and frisk. Now, the police department in New York has zero respect for this man, right? And Mayor de Blasio, actually, white man with a black wife. Mm-hmm. But um, he, he's been catching hell from the police department. Mm-hmm. And they are still stopping and frisking. They're right. still doing it. Right. And I was looking at the reports that they have to fill out for every time they stop someone. Mm-hmm. 
what what's it called? The word starts with an F. Movement. It's a movement. Hmm? Um, shit. Not futile movement. For some kind of fervent movement. Some kind of movement. I'd have to look it up. But Wait, movement for what? What? Basically saying, um, this guy looked at me and then he looked away and then Fur- looked back at me. It was a um furtive. Furtive. That might mm-hmm. be a movement. So they they basically they say it's okay to search these people because one, the as we saw last night, mm-hmm. the bulge. I saw a bulge. Which could be a cell phone. Now yeah. They stopped searching these people after the the uh, stop and frisk was um shot down. Mm-hmm. But there's a difference between searching and patting down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what they're doing is they're still searching people, but they are saying they are patting them down. Mm-hmm. So that's the one thing. And then again, the whole bulge. Everyone has a bulge. I mean, who doesn't have a bulge? Right. A man has a wallet. Man has a cell phone. Women have purses. So they are still stopping and frisking. And in doing this, they do sometimes they do find stuff. They they might find a little bit of weed. Right. They might find it's like then you in jail for maybe five dollars worth of weed. Right. But the the thing is, even though it's been ruled unconstitutional, we know that police law enforcement, they do this on a regular basis. And it's it's because going back to what Becky was saying, what you were saying, what I was saying about societal norms and what society has been taught and these are all taught behaviors you know because and and i'm going to say something again that i've said a long time ago in one of our very first podcasts oh i remember i remember you can sue anybody for anything no it's this is how black people have been portrayed in the media and on tv in print you know we're always Women are always prostitutes. Men are always pimps or drug dealers. And we definitely drug abusers. Junkies. Uh-huh. Right. Look at so, Pookie and New Jack. Right. So we that's the way that we are portrayed. So that's what society believes. You know, perception is reality. So if you constantly see a black man depicted as someone who is going to rob and kill you, when you see a black man walking on the street... What's the first thing that you're going to think? Rob and kill me. Let me ask you a philosophical question. Uh Uh-oh. So, being that we know how we're portrayed Mm -hmm. to America, Mm -hmm. to uh, other ethnicities, white people in specific, uh, specifically, Mm -hmm. do you fault them for calling the police whenever they see black people? I do. And the reason why I do is because what you are doing is not finding out for yourself who I am well, if they, as a person. Just to play devil, devil's advocate, the white caller of the police mm-hmm. who report something suspicious, mm-hmm. they feel threatened mm-hmm. in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. So for them to go out and investigate on their own would be for them to they put their selves in assuming that they would be in harm's way. And that's why they call the police. Right. Well, see, that's not what I, that that's actually when I say get to know, I think piggybacking off of something that we said on a previous episode about that 
on the interracial dating episode, if you got to know people of color in general, you wouldn't always assume that every person of color is a threat because in my mind, people who are doing these things, who are calling up and saying, hey, I see a suspicious character, they don't know many black people. And they probably have no inclination to find out about black people. So what I'm saying is put yourself in a situation where you will learn that every black man is not out to rape, rob, and kill you. I'm going to play the devil's the devil's devil's advocate and say that again, going back to the statistics uh, and I mean, when, when you see black people now you see crime. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm torn. I'm like, if I see fire, right. Mm -hmm. I know fire's hot. It burns. It destroys it. I'm gonna call the fire department every time. Right. If I see a dog lose dog, that dog could attack me. Shit. I'm calling animal control. So, if you are trained to see black people as criminal and statistically we are criminals, not saying that we are literally criminals, but not that statistically, all of us are, but right, but we are criminals. Perception is reality. So once again. I'm like, do you really fault them for dialing 911 when what they see is a criminal? Now, I'm not yes. justifying it by any means. I'm just asking the question. No, I and my answer is always going to be yes. I still fault them. And the reason why I fault them is take, for instance, this lady who said, who literally said, I called because I smiled at them and they didn't smile back or waved at them mm -hmm. and they didn't wave back. You know what they should do in situations like that? If you call, all right, let's say a white <laughs> woman, right? Right, white woman? Uh huh. Okay. So she smiled, right? Uh mm huh. -hmm. So she did something with her mouth, right? <laughs> So if you call 911 because you did something with your mouth, smiling or whatever, cops come out. The call should have never been made. There's no crime here. She now should you, do something you gotta with her mouth? A, you got to put a black dick in your mouth. <laughs> Plain, I bet you, matter of fact, everybody, everybody white who calls 911 on black people, if there is no crime found, you got to suck a black dick. I bet you these motherfuckers that's, will that's stop a, calling 911. That would be a deterrent to call. People are talking about finding them. Yeah. Find them uh, for wasting time. Nah, put a dick in their mouth. <laughs> Tell me that won't work, Becky. You're so stupid. Oh, my God. If every I don't time, know if, well. If every time you call 911. Some of them might like it. So? So they might keep whatever, calling 911. <laughs> whatever black dick in their mouth going to like it, too. I mean, wouldn't that prevent you, Becky? If you knew that you got to... Oh, and another thing I want to get on. But if you knew, if you dial 911 and there's a chance that this person is doing... Wrong. Yeah, and you got to get a dick in your mouth. I, I would, that, would, that would deter me. You would dial 911. Mm -hmm. So another thing interesting, too, is do you know black people actually hesitate to call, to call the, the cops? That's right. Even when a crime is being committed. That's correct. And we have we actually give people opportunities to get away. So, for instance, if you work at a store or some shit, the store is getting robbed. Rather than pick up the phone to call nine one one, or say you you getting mugged in the parking lot, rather than pick up the phone and call nine one one, we actually give the perpetrators an opportunity to get the fuck gone because we don't want to deal with the police. Period. Right. And we're the victims here, right? Because in the end, who knows? 
how that's going to turn out. I call 911 and say, black man just robbed me, this and that and the other. I'm on a corner of this street and that street. Police come see a black man standing up. I'm the victim. That's happened. I might, I might get shot. That has happened. Homeboy got shot in his own house when he um called 911 because there was an intruder. Cops got there. Black man. You fit the description. And that's another thing. Mm-hmm. They never tell us what the, the description, description is. is. That's right. You always fit the description. But what is the description? Black man. Black male. That, that's the description. <laughs> that's that. That's Look pretty at, much. Um, what's his name? Uh, Philando Castile. Mm-hmm. That was the cop's initial reason for pulling him over. He, he fit the description. He has a wide nose. Mm-hmm. He fits the description of a, like, come on, mm-hmm. man. And reading the ACLU's website, we just like all over the place, but reading the ACLU's website, like they have the Know Your Rights campaign, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I've read the Know Your Rights campaign and yeah, it's great in theory. In theory, wonderful stuff, but that shit does not work, work for black it's people. It's not practical. No, it doesn't work for black people. So it works. It may work for everybody else, but it will not work for black people. It will not. Like that shit just it like, okay, if an officer puts you under arrest, he has to tell you why he's arresting you. You start asking a Shit. cop why mm-hmm. you why you arresting me. You might you end get, up dead. Yes, because you're getting a are are you, wait, hold up. Resisting. Are you are you trying to resist or are you trying to mess wait, cause who was it? The dude from um The Milwaukee Buck. That's correct. Mm-hmm. In the video. He was it Sterling? Or was it his last name is Brown. Brown, yeah. Milwaukee Bucks. In that video, the cop actually says, he, he, he like asks the cop why. And he's like, and the cop's like, what, are you trying to obstruct me? Literally, keep asking, are you trying to obstruct me? And the dude is like, no, I'm just trying to figure out what what's going, going on. on. Mm-hmm. So in our experiences, don't question the police. I mean, that's the first thing a black mama will tell her son. Do everything the cop says do. Mm-hmm. Don't talk back. Yada, yada. You know, because that's a sign of aggression if you ask a question. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So what you got on racial profiling? Like, how is that? How let, Let's tell people exactly how dangerous racial profiling can be. For us? Of course. Like, like I said, Darren Martin, man could have died. Mm-hmm. He was he was profiled because he was a black man carrying something into an apartment. Man, they- not, out of, <laughs> not out of an apartment. He was right. carrying boxes into an apartment. Uh, hello, officer. Yes, I'd like to report a reverse robbery. <laughs> like- right. And, you know, that's the thing that strikes me. He was moving in. He wasn't taking boxes out. He was moving in and a report armed robber. So that's one uh-huh. man could have died just trying to move into an apartment. We talk about, you just said Philando Castillo. He fit the description. We don't, we don't know what this description was, but he fit it and he was stopped and he mm-hmm. lost his life. We're talking about another student. He was a Yale student. I believe it was, I was reading something recently. Yale student sleeping in the dorm. That was a woman, a young uh, African woman. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. 
And they called they called the police, didn't they? They uh yeah, a white lady called the police and told her like homegirl was videotaping this whole thing. So she fell asleep in a common area while studying. Uh white girl, you can't sleep here. You need to leave. So chick was like, I'm cool, I belong here. No, you can't be here. You need to leave. I'm calling nine one one. So homegirl was taping this whole thing. Weaponizing so the, the police. Again. Other girls like well, if you want to tape, here, I'm a tape too. So, homegirl said, Psh, make sure you get my good side. <laughs> so, the campus police get there and they question this young woman for 20 minutes. So, the young woman lived in the in the in building. The do- uh-huh. She placed her key into the door, unlocked oh. the door, opened the door. They stopped her from entering her her dorm, dorm. and they made her prove that she went to school there as if putting a key into a lock and unlocking it doesn't does prove, prove like enough. guess what if i can unlock this door nine times out of ten i belong in this room <laughs> back to henry gates it, right so then her student id because i now i may be wrong on this part but i know there was there was a discrepancy between the name on record at the school and her student id but she was african right exactly mm-hmm. so it had something to do with that mm-hmm. so they held her up for 20 minutes berated her they uh i mean the chick belonged there she lived in that building and this white woman this white girl called 911 because like again she's dangerous she's sleeping there right She's a threat. Because she's a vagrant. Because, of course, black people can't be at Yale. But see, and that goes back to the perception. And that's what racial profiling, a lot of racial profiling is about. It's about bias. You think a certain way about a certain people, a, a certain group of people, and that thing that you think or that set of, that bias that you have, is actually projected onto every person in that group, no matter who or what they are. Like you said, Dr. Gate, we're talking about people who are at Yale getting an education. Professional basketball players. Yes, mm-hmm. professional bas- football players. NFL mm-hmm. players. Uh, and that's what I love when they get the wrong <laughs> nigga because basically right. you just you to them again you just a nigga that's it until they realize man we fucked up he yeah. plays in the nba mm-hmm. now we mm-hmm. don't have the luxury when that type of shit happens to us that's right but when it happens to someone of like celebrity that. status like dude was wrong because he was parked across two handicapped um parking, parking spaces space. so he was wrong true but all he should have gotten was a parking citation and please don't do that again. Backup was called. Like, I'm watching this video. The cop is like, I own this right here. I own this. And do say, own what? Right here. And then he's like, are you trying to obstruct? Are you trying to obstruct? And so dude was like, look, he asked for his ID, gave his ID. Do said, what's your name? And the boy said, it's on my ID. Uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find out if you are who you say you are. And dude goes, it's a real ID. (laughs) Like, okay. If I'm handing you a fake ID, don't you think I would have taken the time to memorize the name on it? On it? it? Right. But he's like, it's real ID, you know, like federally approved real ID. Mm -hmm. Like this is real ID. 
And the guy was like, you just wait, you just wait. And so the basketball player is like, what are we waiting for? And in the background, you hear, I'm like, damn, you call backup? Man. Then you see another cop call pull up. But that's in in this situation and situations like this. This is when white folks become more sympathetic because you know what? In Minneapolis or Milwaukee, wherever the fuck he was, dude's a beloved figure Uh because they love their sports teams. Uh Football players, basketball players. Anytime you fuck with one of them, you fucking with the whole city. Oh, let me tell you, the city dropped a statement even before this this body cam video footage was dropped. The city, the Milwaukee Bucks, they all released statements. And according to the city of Milwaukee, the officers have been disciplined, but they haven't named the officers, nor have they said what the disciplinary action was. So, so have you um, got two two things to wrap up with to to go back to the Jim Crow? But have you seen the um, the Orlando police pull over the state's attorney? No, huh? Here's a good one. We'll, we'll watch <laughs> it on the we'll watch it on the podcast. That's what's up. This shit was funny. Oh, actually, what agency you were? I'm the state attorney. All right. Thank you. Your tag didn't come back. Never seen that before. I'm sorry? Yeah. We're good now. So it was... We ran a tag. I've never seen it before. A Florida tag. It's never come back to anything before. So that's the reason for the stop. Oh, he's real nervous now. I'm sorry? What was the tag run for? Oh, we run tags all the time, whether it's the traffic lights and, and that sort of stuff. That's how we figure out if, you know, cars are stolen and that sort of thing. Also, the... The windows were really dark. I don't have a tent measure, but that's another reason for the stop. I bet you don't. Yeah, one second. Actually, this isn't my car, but I can write my name down if you'd like. See how you keep clearing his throat? His mouth dry right now. <laughs> yeah, I done fucked up. <laughs> Always oh, writing down his fake name. It's not my car, but but I can write down my name. <laughs> Homegirl sure, ain't playing. Uh, play <laughs> there you are. There you are. Have a good day. She didn't even say. She like, Psh, let me get out of here. Mm-hmm. Boy, I'm about to run your shit, and it's about to be a situation. Much, much like the NBA players. They don't fuck with the wrong one. She is the only, the first and only black state's attorney for Florida. And y'all want to pull her over because, yeah, we run tags all the time because um, but that's how we find <coughs> out cars <coughs> sto- <Yeah>. stolen. Uh, <coughs> so um, the last thing I wanted to touch on, too, um, is the death of Keevan Robinson. He was killed two blocks from our office. Uh-huh. By the Jefferson Parish Sheriff's Office. Yep. They released a statement. Now, this has really nothing to do with um, profiling, but just figured I, I'd Throw it mention it. Yeah. He um he was dirty. He had um, drugs and a gun in his vehicle. So recently, uh, surveillance camera footage has come out from one of the homes in the area. So he was driving his car down the street. He saw the police set up. So he made a U-turn and tried to go back out towards Jefferson Highway, which is the main road. Another car came 
full speed at him, rammed him. They knocked his car probably a good couple hundred feet. Dude jumps out and starts running. So there was in his car, there was drugs, there was a gun. I thought it was like um, he was, they had him under surveillance. It was like an undercover situation. Yeah, it situation. was a sting. Yeah, okay. So uh, he had a gun in the car, had drugs in the car. But he got out the car and took off running, jumped a few gates, ended up in the Spanish woman's backyard. So the he died in police custody. The police released a statement, and I actually bought this shit. <laughs> and... Like, I very, very rarely give benefit of the doubt to the police. But the reason I bought this statement and bought into it, the statement was he had known asthma complications. Right. He was an asthmatic. So mm-hmm. he died from an asthma attack or something that sort of complications with asthma. So I bought into that shit. And I want to say in, in just that day or two, I was living in the fantasy world where I said to myself, they can't possibly be lying. Not not after all this shit that has gone down <laughs> with Alton Sterling and all the other black men. And he was, Keevan was unarmed at the time. He did not have his weapon on him. Uh-huh. I'm like, there's no way they killed another unarmed black man. So then the report comes out, the uh, coroner's report. Autopsy. Mm-hmm. He was asphyxiated. Homicide, people. Homicide. So do you know that these cops are still on the force? They're still getting paid. They're on death duty right right. now. They killed this man, right? Right. So after hearing that, I'm like, man, I don't believe I gave the benefit of the doubt to the police. Now, this is where I asked myself a question. The release was he passed away from complications due to asthma. He was dead, right? Mm -hmm. He wasn't there to say I have asthma, right? Mm -hmm. How the fuck would they know he had asthma? I don't know. I think it was in like the family, the family, somebody, somebody from the family said he had asthma or they looked at medical records and saw that he had had asthma. Prior arrest or was in jail before and they had medical history from that? Last thing that they're going to look at is this man's medical history before they arrest him. Yeah. So what I'm thinking, this is conspiracy theory right here. (laughs) Is while searching his car, they found an a asthma pump? inhaler. They found a pump and, and then just said, threw it out there. This dude got asthma. So anyway, he's dead now. The police killed him. They're still getting paid for the time being. We bought in the uh, state police to help with the investigation. Mm-hmm. That's never a good thing. Right. Well, see, I think that the family, because the family wanted an independent um, autopsy. Cor- autopsy. Mm-hmm. They, they actually are ordering an independent autopsy. On top of what, and I was quite surprised when the coroner actually came back and said homicide. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, well, go you. Well, isn't All he right. like the first black Orleans Parish coroner or something like it, that? It was Jefferson, Jefferson. Parish. Oh, excuse me. Jefferson yeah. Parish. So I was, was like. where we live. Yeah, yeah. I was like, go you, go you. But let me make this last point as well about racial profiling. Racial profiling as not a law, but as a way to oppress people of color is nothing new. This is something that actually harkens back to the 1800s. If you think about um, during times of slavery, we know that there were some states where there was no slavery and some slaves who have been set free. So they have manumission papers. Think about 
those times, there were actually laws that allowed law enforcement to stop people of color and ask them for their papers. Germany. Sorry? Just like uh, Nazi Germany. Let me see your papers. Exactly. Let me see your papers. Right. So there were laws that were put in place to do that. And not only in cities and towns, this was state and nation. So you're talking about, like I said, 1800s when slavery was still prevalent. So now you just fast forward to 2018, still thing. You know, it's still a thing because as Dan said, the new Jim Crow, black people are still property or Mm -hmm. that's the way we are treated for the people of color for the most part and with the privatization of, of prisons the prison system that's they right. literally are money that's right they yep. look they have a price tag mm-hmm. we do about a thousand bucks a day <laughs> <laughs> i'm saying and um where, where was it because i did want to go back to the 15th amendment what about it in uh regard to what you just said It rendered slavery illegal with the exception of prisoners. Explain that right quick. Well, basically, prisoners, you you ever heard of chain gangs? Mm hmm. So that's the sound of the man (laughs) working on the chain gang. Working on the chain gang. That's literally what was up. Because back in the day, you were, you worked outside of the jail and you were, it wasn't just, Oh, let me go to this pressing some plate situation. You actually were on the, you know, you put in railroad pikes and you dug up, you dug ditches, you know, you actually worked on infrastructure and you did that for For nothing. (laughs) Free labor. (laughs) You know, Mm. you did that for nothing. What does that sound like? (laughs) Exactly. Hmm. You did that for nothing. So, yeah. All right, so ask an attorney, attorney, attorney. Got nothing for y'all, man. This is actually, I'm just pulling this off of Reddit because I didn't have one um, pre, pre-done. Mm-hmm. So this week, a large-scale bust went down in my city that involved multiple massage parlors. Uh-oh. They arrested the operators of the establishment, but law enforcement claimed they have financial records and video from the establishment that said that they said will allow them to go after the customers. I used one of the places maybe five or six <laughs> times in the past six months. <laughs> my question is this. I always paid cash for my massage. Never discussed any kind of money for services. So nothing can be on record of me paying for favors. So do they really have anything? Can they arrest you for simply being on video walking into an establishment for a massage? Just trying to decide how worried I should be. Okay, so I'm going to say that you should be mildly um, concerned. This this actually puts me in the um, mind of the DC madam. Mm-hmm. You know, she kept really good records mm-hmm. of her clientele. And so, um, also, what's that? Um, Ashley Madison, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the uh, the site, for... the website situation. Mm-hmm. So, if you know, circumstantial evidence is a son of a bitch. Let me tell you. So, if you called in and had appointments, and your name is listed as a customer several times within the past six months, and they know 
maybe they have surveillance from inside. They know the type of things that were happening in this place. So like I said, circumstantial, you were there. So you basically had opportunity. They have you on, you know, they have you on the premises. They know that you paid money if they, you know, if they have that on record. So just, I'd be mildly concerned. Thing is, you know, that old shaggy thing, it wasn't me. Keep saying it wasn't me. That's always my advice. I don't give a damn if they have you on tape. It still wasn't you. And if they ask for customers to come down to the station (laughs) to talk with them about said parlors, don't go. Don't go. You don't have you don't have to go unless they have a warrant. They got to come get you, bruh. Absolutely. All right. And this week's How Woke is Afro Becky. Um, wait, we don't have a, a Okay. Who was Charlotte Ray? I'm not very black this week, apparently. Just guess. I'm going to say a poet. Hmm. And who was Charlotte Ray? Now, if you don't know this, your black card is getting shredded. Man, I know that name. Hold up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, What's the pen name? Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. What, what do you mean? That's the name, Charlotte Ray. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I know that name. All right, tell me. Charlotte Ray has the distinction of being the first African-American woman lawyer in the United States and the first woman admitted to the bar in the District of Columbia. All right then, Charlotte. Her father, active in New York City's African-American community, made sure his young daughter was well-educated. She received her law degree from Howard University in 1872 and was admitted to the D.C. bar shortly after. However, Both her race and gender proved to be obstacles in her professional career, and she eventually became a teacher in New York City instead. Mm Mm-hmm, because that's what they did. This has been another episode of Black Law and Legal Lies, and we hope you learned something today, because we were here, we were there, and I learned that Jim Crow was not a person. Jumping Jim Crow. Jump the Jim Crow. Jump Jim Crow. And I learned who Charlotte Ray. I did, too, because I kind of Googled that. So anyway, um, look, if you like the show, like, subscribe, share, review, five stars. Five star. We love them five star reviews. Because uh, we know we dope. Dope, dope, dope. And if you got any dope, well. <laughs> you right. know what to do with it. So follow us, Twitter, Black Law Podcast. Email us, blacklawpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow me at I. M. Dan on drugs. And you can follow me at I Tell Legal Lies. And the quest continues to reveal Afro Becky's true identity. Wow. Come at me, y'all. Peace out.